Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. What's up, guys? This is the Talking the Star podcast. I'm your host, Connor Livesey, here with one co-host today. Dalton Miller's joined uh, on the podcast. Cole has one more late night at work, and then he'll be back with us next week. Uh, we are going to talk, spend a lot of time talking about the Cowboys' loss to the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, this, this, this podcast is probably going to be dedicated to that game because we think that there's so much to discuss, break down, and talk about, um, about that loss. Um, before we get started, though, Dalton, you doing all right today? Yeah, I'm doing all right. I'm just going over this all 22, cutting up every single DAC drop back. Uh, it's been time consuming, but uh, it's uh, it's going to be worth it at the end of the day, hopefully. Yeah, I watched, rewatched uh, about a time and a half today. Uh, my screen recorder at work no longer wants to work, so I couldn't put anything on Twitter or do any of my all 22 cut ups yet for the uh, film review I do on blogging the boys, but. We're going to get to that later, but we were able to kind of go back through our jotted down some notes and we're going to talk about some of these things um, that uh, caught our eye. Um, and I think that it, there's a lot to discuss. We normally try to do like a preview and a review on our shows that come out on Wednesdays. Um, but I think there's so much to take away from this game um, that we're probably going to dedicate this whole episode to the, the Seahawks loss. Um, and I, I wanted to start. Uh, so one thing that you noticed within the first Definitely the first two or three offensive drives is how much they were passing the ball on first down. It looked like a completely different team from weeks one and two. It was almost all passes on first down. I think they only had one run um, on first down within the first two or three uh, series that they had on offense. Um, So that was different. I had a little bit of uh, grief with the way they were doing those passes because it was kind of like they were they were substituting the first down run for the conservative first down pass. And I'm not sure that's the best way to go about that. Um, and I wanted to kind of get your thoughts on that. Yeah, I absolutely unequivocally disagree with you there. Um, I think when you have an offensive line that is as banged up as they are, um, and you're not able to, to run the football very effectively, uh, I think that you need to – because. Listen, you're not going to have the time for Dak Prescott to be able to drop back and really get his feet set and deliver good passes down the field consistently when you have this type of offensive line play. So you need to 
replace that run game with the short passing attack, you know, the, the misdirection passing attack. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, the wide receiver screens and things of that nature to get the ball out in space quickly. I really do believe that you need to do that because if you don't, these guys are just going to go and tee off on Dak Prescott if you're dropping him back 57 times and just doing regular dropbacks. Now, I think that they stuck with the uh, running back screens for far too long. Right. At the end of the day, they tried too many of them, and they just were not working. Um, I like some of the wrinkles that they put in that I hope that we'll get into offensively. Um, I guess, I guess yeah. my my issue with the short passing game to start was they weren't there weren't any opportunities for those guys. Like it was a lot of stops, it was a lot of quick outs to the sideline. Like I don't mind the the quick short passing game as long as you're giving your receivers an ability or you're giving your offense an ability to make an explosive play. Now, see, like I disagree. Can. I think you just need to early in that game with no offensive line. You need to get completions. You need to start moving the ball, and they were but able to the, move the ball. But what's the difference between the two- and three-yard passes and the two- and three-yard runs? At that but they weren't two- and three-yard passes. They were six-yard passes. They, well, no, the first series they went to Cooper on and out. I think they had three. It was a three-yard gain. And then I know I was I was following along with some of your stuff on Twitter, but on that third down, Cooper. Okay, so it was Cooper six yards, uh, Lamb five yards, uh, Gallup four yards, um, seven yards, um, twenty-eight yards, incomplete. Yeah, so I mean four to six yards. I get so which I guess, is still better than a run. But like, right, what I'm saying well, is yeah. like you're just trying to get into a flow. And what that did at the end of the day, um, especially when it came to getting Michael Gallup the football, is right. that those short passes, especially the couple comebacks and, and hitches to Gallup, really opened up for him to be able to beat those guys down the field those two times that he did. Yeah, I mean, again, I guess, I guess, like my issue. I just, I just don't think you, you can't just drop back and, and take no, downfield shots well, the entire time. That's and I wish they not could. That's not what I'm saying either. Um, there's just ways I think you can get the ball into your receiver's hands with the quick passing game that's not having them run out of bounds as soon as they're catching it or it's not getting tackled as soon as they're catching it. And I think they, they used the RPO uh, in week one or two a lot with the, the creative designs, getting the ball to Dalton Schultz. Um, and I wish that was something they could do a little bit more on Sunday against the Seahawks is using they that They still RPO. did it, though. They still did it. They, they ran RPOs. They, they did, a, I think, four or five of them. Yeah. Where I think, they, I they, think they, when I went through, I charted three or four. But Yeah, they were doing the zone. Part. Yeah, they were doing the zone reading, getting the ball to the outside quickly um, and doing it that way. But, I mean, at the end of the day, like the quick passing attack, it's not meant for explosive plays. It's, right. to, it's to get completions. And now, if you want to, you know, run more slants, uh, we can talk about that, but at the end of the day, like there were slant completions during this game too. So I just think that it's you know opening up the entire playbook from a passing attack standpoint and just trying to spread the ball around, which I, I think that they did a good job of. They just yeah. didn't finish that that you know that first drive, the first couple drives, um, and then obviously the Tony Pollard snafu killed him on the second drive. Right. Yeah. I mean, and again, you know, I, I think. I think what, what I don't think the offensive line is playing quite as bad as people think. Now, is it playing good by any means? Absolutely not. Um, but I do think that you could see 
I think at times you saw the running back targets in the passing game go up because I think that they thought the offensive line is playing to a level that they can't, you know, sit back there and scan the field and make plays down the field. I just wish they would not use the running back in those opportunities and use another player or use a different scheme to get the football to your receiver's hands and not into a guy who, you know, we kind of look at as an inefficient receiver, which, you know, people can say what they want about his receiving abilities. But when you look at the numbers, it's there's no denying that the efficiency numbers when you target Ezekiel Elliott are lower than just about everybody else on your team. Yeah, I mean, if you want to if you want to talk about running or throwing the ball to the running back, we, we can be in lockstep there. I, I thought 12 that, targets, <laughs> especially. Yeah, especially after. I mean, he just wasn't having a good game. Like, right. Stop. Or, or or I have another idea, and I know that you wanted to put Tony Pollard in the doghouse because he dropped that that no, that I, kick I and it really I, I really hurt. He needs to get those opportunities to catch the football. No, he absolutely does, and I I understand that they don't really want to rely on him too much because when he comes in, he's got to run routes. He's not a good pass protector, so he's going to run routes. But you have so many packages and concepts. I've seen right. this offensive playbook. The you can packages. Yeah, well, not even just the screen packages, but just getting him out quick quick to the flats as well and getting him those completions. Because for as good as, as Ezekiel Elliott has looked uh, at times being you know explosive and, and being able to make guys miss this year so far and really being in the best shape of his life, Tony Pollard is still the more explosive player. And he no, was no. a literal – and he was a literal wide receiver at Memphis. Right. And, and I mean, again, like I, I guess I said screen packages there because – Oh no, and I, I don't disagree, and I don't disagree right, with you on I, getting I him those targets. The reason, yeah. the reason I'm using the screen packages is because you're not worrying about him having to pass protect at any point in that. You know, yeah, in, no, in a situation where you know he's on the field on third down and you're wanting to get him the ball in the flat, but if a blitzer is coming off the edge, he's got to then make a decision. You know, that I understand that. I understand having Zeke in those situations, but like just getting him on the field in those in those packages for those. I mean, they ran probably. I have it noted down. What did they run? Six running back screens, I think I had. Um, it was, it was to, close to that. Yeah, it was it was four to six like designed running back screens, and they were all to Zeke. And I'm like, man, just one of those would have been nice to have Pollard on the field just because he is the better receiver and the more efficient receiver. But I don't know. I don't know if it's because at that point you're not worried about the pass protection. Because there isn't going to be a pass protection. If it's a design screen to the running back, there's no option for him to pass protect. Yeah. So I don't know why they wouldn't have him on the field in some of those situations. But I think he's just in the doghouse. I know, man. Like I get it. Like He's not a good special teams player right now, but that has nothing to do with the offensive game plan. It, it shouldn't. You know, it, it, it shouldn't have anything to do with him getting on the field on offense just because he's making poor decisions as a special teams guy. But... I mean, somebody's giving him the ability to take that football out, so maybe we need to point the finger at them and not – I mean, again, he's got to catch the football, obviously. He's got to stay in the end zone. But, I mean, I can't remember how many times last week against Atlanta he took the football eight yards in the end zone and got stopped at the 14-yard line. It was like, dude, somebody's just got to tell him to fair catch it, take a knee, whatever. Like, don't come out of the end zone and hurt your offense by giving up 11 to 12 yards of field position but and, and that's what I'm I don't understand is when you're eight yards deep like that why are we why are we taking the ball out of the end zone it, it doesn't you, make any sense there's going to be more times than not there's going to be a penalty on the return than there will be actually <laughs> actual gained yards like was, our special teams like are just legitimately bad 
I don't and, understand and in the, the NFL, like there's coach and, dude, there's there's so many things that can go wrong on a return. Those guys are not blockers. They didn't grow up being blockers. They grew up every single one of these guys that are in the NFL that are on the Dallas Cowboys were the best athletes on their team. They were not blocking guys on kick pu- kick and punt returns. They weren't. Yeah. They were the ones doing the kick and punt returns, or they weren't on kick and punt return. It was we, we one of those it. two things. So I, I don't really get why we need to continue to try to do these things when it's right. not natural for these players. Well, well I, I thought it was kind of funny because I feel like we 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 feel like C.D. Lamb's been a pretty good return man this year, right? Like in punt returns. Yeah, but I still don't want him returning punts. Right, right but he, they're like the 10th worst team as far as punt return average goes. So like you think that's good because like – for the first time in what seems like forever, you're getting a guy that can pick up, you know, seven, eight, nine yards on a punt return, and they're still, you know, bottom half of the league in terms of guys, you know, getting return yards on punts. And it's like, <laughs> you, we're, we're like kind of excited. I mean, again, like, I, I don't mind him returning punts. I know he kind of looked like he got dinged up. I, I think it's a way you can have some juice in your special teams that lacks a lot of that right now. Um, but at the same time, like we're talking about, like, at this point, the only time you should be returning a punt or a kick is if it's just you have to do it. Like, there's no other option for you but to return that punt or kick, which doesn't call for that a whole lot. What did you yeah. uh, What did you see? Um, I do want to talk about the offensive line a little bit because it was shuffled around a lot. We saw Zach Martin at right tackle. We saw Tyler Biotish at center, Joe Looney at right guard. It was a jumbled mess uh, for a lot of that game. I thought they had their ups and their downs kind of the way they have the first two weeks. Um, I thought there were some, some series where they really, uh, you know, kind of controlled the drives after actually that first series where Martin kicked out the right tackle. They just hummed down the field. I think it was only like three or four plays. Um, they had a big play to Gallup and then they scored just a few plays after that. Um, what did you think of the offensive line play? Um, and I've been getting this question asked to me a lot, but kind of what did you think of Tyler Biotish um, filling in at center for Joe Looney? I thought Biotis has been good. I think that, you know, that should probably be his spot, if we're being honest. Um, I thought that he was better than what I've seen from Looney. Now, he did have the one false start, which was in a very, very bad situation. Um, But I do think that he was good or, or better overall at the end of the day. Now, with the offensive line as a whole, I really thought that, there were, were times in this game where they were really bad, like worse than the first two weeks. And that I think that that's that just going to come. That last um, series. Well, the last series, I mean, and, and th- this has been a, a trend now. When when you when the other team, like even though early in the game, I mean, Dak Prescott threw the ball damn near 60 times, there's a very good idea that the Dallas Cowboys are not going to run the football. But in that situation, you know without the shadow of a doubt they are not going to be running that football. So you get these defenders able to pin their ears back. And without any continuity on the offensive line whatsoever, you're able to somehow get beat by three-man rushes. And when you get beat by a three-man rush, there is literally nothing Dak Prescott can do. Two plays in a row. Was it two plays in a row or one play after the Two other plays play? in a row. And, and, the oh. first, and the first play I did feel was not – it wasn't on Dak because you had the, the left tackle – and the left guard get beat. But Dak Prescott, at this stage of his career, um, has got to know 
where that's coming from and spin out of that backwards. Now, that's a, a, a technique that he used to use all of the time, and he did it to his detriment. That was his his stock move of getting away from pressure was spinning back out into his left. But when you have that that uh, that right defensive end undercut and counter inside like that, you are already accounted for the two guys on the right. So you can't step that up. You need to step that back and spin out of that. Um, and I think that that sack was really, really bad because at the end of the day, you can just throw that ball out of the back of the end zone as well. Um, the next play, the third down, uh, the, the last play of the game on offense, I mean, that was just, he willed that thing. <laughs> yeah. I, I, he's a big, strong man. Um, and I wish that he would have kind of come set a little bit more and, and delivered a ball with a little bit more zip. But at that point, like, you're discombobulated. It's a, it's a Hail Mary. Spun around. That, it, it was. It was a short Hail Mary. P- people were telling him to throw the ball out of bounds, and I'm like, cool, let's make it fourth and 14. That's what I'm saying. It doesn't make sense. Give your guys a chance <laughs> right. and hope it doesn't get intercepted. Right. I mean, again, it's – you know, I hate to say it. Sorry if you think this way, but, like, the people who were like, wow, he could have just thrown the ball out of bounds and lived to fall another day. I was like, cool, then you're fourth and 14 with no timeouts and – three seconds left on the clock. So you pretty much have to throw another Hail Mary because <laughs> you can't throw a ball in the middle of the field. You can't go for the first down because if you, you got three or four seconds to catch the ball, get out of bounds. It's just, you're, you're then throwing another, another Hail Mary that the percentages of that play clicking are low to begin with. So, I mean, again, you know, at that point it's a wing and a prayer, you know, the ball's picked off, you know, people are going to say, Oh, he threw two interceptions. He probably should have thrown another one that somehow ended up being a pretty big completion. Um, so, you know, it's funny how it kind of works out that way, but, um, I did want to kind of get your thoughts. Cause I, I, I agreed a lot of what you said about the offensive line. I thought they had some good drives some good series. And then I thought they had some bad drives and some bad series. And, and, you know, that's kind of what you're getting when you're down to your fourth, fifth and sixth, seventh offense alignment at this point. Um, I don't think it's as bad as people think it is, is like saying they're the worst line in the league, because I think they do have some some positive snaps some positive series some positive drives in there for a group that, um, you know, has a lot of down the depth chart guys playing and, and something that I pointed out the other day, you know, I've been pretty critical of, you know, the, the coaching staff as a whole uh, these first few weeks, but like, can you imagine Jason Garrett with what happened to that offensive line on Sunday and still being able to put up pretty good points and good yardage? No, they would have gotten beat by 30. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it would have been an absolute disaster. And, like, yeah. And we need to, and and honestly, yeah, and honestly, we need to stop. We And and, and this has been, you know, on on the radio station I work at and love, this has been talked about. It was talked about on Monday in the Mike McCarthy, Kellen Moore play calling thing. I thought they called a, a damn fine game, honestly. I didn't have really any overwhelming issues with how they let this game unfold. Uh, now, are there little individual things yeah. that I wish they would have done better? Absolutely. Oh, yeah. But literally no play call, no game is perfectly called. Andy Reid doesn't do it. Bill Belichick doesn't call perfect plays every single time. Sometimes things just don't work, even yeah. though the plan was great going into it. And we also have to understand that these plays are getting called within a 45-second window between each other. So right. you need to come up with a plan immediately and be able to go with the flow and call plays. And that's just not easy. Yeah, and again, you know, I think I think there's things they need to improve on as the season goes on. Um, 
you know, I, for the first two weeks, I was kind of disappointed with how much they were running the ball in first down. They were running the ball in second down a lot. They, you know, they were aggressive on second down at times with the, the ball through the air. But, um, you know, they kind of improved on some of the first down runs. Um, I, you know, obviously I hated a lot of the, the screen game on Sunday. Um, I think my – and I wish that we had the ability to ask these questions. But, like, when I go and watch the All-22, I want to know – I know you pointed it out too, but I noticed it. I've noticed noticed it a little bit, you know, more in these first three weeks. Like, there's a lot of route combinations that I'm looking at right now, whether it's options for those receivers or not, that are very crowded. There's a lot of, I don't know if it's confusion, I don't know if it's receivers making wrong reads or what, but there's a lot of issues I see at the top of these routes where guys are kind of in the same area, bringing defenders into plays. Um, we've noticed that through the last few weeks. And like, that's a question I'd love to ask, you know, Mike McCarthy, Kellen Moore, like, Hey, you know, are we, are we struggling with the route concepts because of the reads these receivers are making as far as their options go, or is it just something that you're working in some wrinkles and, you know, haven't really thought all the spacing through because I, I saw you pointed a play out from Sunday. Uh, there was a few plays from week one, week two, and then I noticed a few more from week three where those route combinations are just kind of, there's some there's some miscommunication or you know just some awkward spacing going on between those receivers routes. Yeah, like the uh, so the one that I I pointed out the one that you and and Mike I think uh, commented on it was that just looked like either Schultz or CD messed up that route. Um, I don't know which one messed it up, but they were both in the same same area running the same type of route. That was a mess up. Now, what happened on the play uh, that should have been intercepted that ended up in Michael Gallup's hands somehow, um, that wasn't Dak's fault, that wasn't Gallup's fault, that wasn't Cedric Wilson's fault. That was just them getting, you know, going off of what the coverage was dictating because they got a cover three look on the outside with the corner bailing out. Um, and, and, you know, Michael Gallup ran the correct comeback route in that situation instead of carrying that downfield. And said Wilson, uh, the apex player there on defense, <laughs> was on the inside shade. It looked like man covered from him and he pulled out with him and Dak had to shuffle left and throw it really far outside uh, so that ball wasn't picked off by the underneath defender. And it just so happened that he overthrew it just a little bit where, you know, on most occasions that ball is just uncatchable for anybody. But with that Michael Gallup comeback, the corner ended up shoving forward as well. And it almost ended up being a disaster. But, like, those are one of those things. And this is why context is so important on fumbles and interceptions and things of that nature is what exactly happened on this play. And on that exact play, that wouldn't have been an issue. It just would have been what it was. Right. Yeah. No, I mean, and really, you know, I didn't notice it as much. The only reason I brought this up is because I saw you had just pointed it out in your, your Dak Prescott thread. Um, but like I noticed it a lot against the Rams, which that was week one. So they're probably, you know, still working out some kinks. I noticed it in week two a little bit, too. Um, just a lot of guys in that same area. I know that I know the we talked about the uh, um, there's a few throws to Dalton Schultz where I think CeeDee Lamb was in man coverage and, and his defender ended up, you know, being close to the football. So there's a, there's been a few instances and, I, and I'm hoping that that's just receivers making a few wrong reads. It's early in the season. They're still getting into the swing of things, still knocking some rust off. Um, but, you know, from the offensive standpoint, like, yeah, there's things I want to see them do better from a play calling perspective, um, from a scheme perspective. And then obviously I'd, I'd like the offensive line to play more consistent. 
Um, but it's really, you know, we can't complain about this offense, but so much, you know, while we want to see them improve in some areas and make adjustments in some areas, I think it's important to talk about, you know, this defense too, because I think that that's an issue that we don't know when that's going to get better. We don't know if it's going to get better. Um, so we're going to take a break, come back and talk about some of these defensive issues because we got a lot of them to talk about. We'll be right back. We're talking the star. And we're back on the Talk of the Star podcast. I'm your host, Connor Livesy, here with my co-host, Dalton Miller, today. And we are reviewing the Seahawks-Cowboys game from last week, week three. Uh, the Cowboys were unable to come on top of that game uh, on the road in Seattle. Uh, had a 31-30 to lead with about four minutes to go, and Russell cooked us. Um, and that's kind of what we're going to talk about for the remainder of the podcast. Um we didn't expect a ton from this defense coming into the year, and that's the question I'm going to uh, start you off with. But before I do that, I do want to give a big shout-out to Blogging the Boys, Vox Media. Uh, those guys you know, allow us to host this podcast, SB Nation as well. Uh, they give us a platform that we get to talk on every week, uh, let, let, let you guys hear what we have to say, hear our opinions. And if you want to hear different opinions, more opinions, and more voices, make sure you're following the Blogging the Boys podcast feed on whatever podcast podcast platform uh you use to listen to your podcast on uh thank you guys so much for subscribing and uh making this podcast uh this podcast uh you know chain one of the the biggest cowboys um ones in the country and we appreciate that so much um so i wanted to you know start start you off with this um can you see stephen jones said it yesterday and this is kind of where i'm getting this from but is there any you know is there any brightness at the end of this tunnel or is this defense just going to be atrocious all, all year? No, I mean, there's, there's definitely a light at the end of the tunnel, but that light comes with actually understanding and abiding by your key reads and, and understanding what you're supposed to be doing in a quarters based defensive scheme. Um, and, and not making it so damn hard on yourself um, I, I think that I, I don't know if it's, you know, trying to do too much or what it is. Um, Xavier Woods was a little bit lost a couple times in this past game. Now, I do want to point out that that second, the, the DK Metcalf touchdown on the post, that wasn't on that wasn't on Xavier Woods. That was a, a complete half field uh, defensive. So the, what happens in a quarters base scheme is you have two coverages going on on the field at the same time um, in a lot of two-by-two two sets. So you have a coverage to the left side of the field, and you have a coverage to the right side of the field, usually made up of safety corner and slot defender, or and on the backside, the other safety uh, corner, and you know Mike, Will, whoever that player is there in coverage as well. And on that particular play, Darian Thompson absolutely – has to carry that post over. He has to. And he hesitated because for some reason, I think that he felt that Jordan Lewis was going to carry that the whole way over and the whole way deep, but that's not his responsibility. And those are the types of things that we're messing up. It's the fourth and twos, um, you know, where, or fourth and three, I think it was, where there's motion and Jalen Smith calls the, the coverage check on the motion side of things. And it looks like they just go to a man defense and he's going to take first out and Joe Thomas is going to take first in. Well, he takes first out, but Joe Thomas 
also carries the the halfback out and it leaves the the tight end wide open for a fourth down conversion and that really ended the game kind of um and so that was a little bit frustrating um because i felt like if they would have gotten the ball back there they would have had a couple chances it's just these miscommunications it's a lack of continuity on defense because your secondary is banged up there's a lot of guys not playing and when you do have a a more complex system as they do those coverage snafus they're just going to happen because these guys aren't used to playing with each other in this way pause that was yeah yeah pause (laughs) phrasing (laughs) um yeah but dalton they're getting more turnovers so that's okay right and that's the issue. This defense <laughs> is built and based off the ability to make plays defensively, and they are not getting any. Yeah, it's 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 bad, man, because we we, we spent this entire offseason trying to tell people what was going to happen. You know, we had I, we, we probably had a little bit of blind faith in them, too, that the turnovers would come up. But I, mean, I can't tell you how many times me and you came on this podcast and said, look, you're gonna miss Byron Jones. I don't. I don't care. You know, the, you, you, what's gonna happen is, is this new scheme, this new defense coordinator is gonna come in, and your team's still not gonna get turnovers because you don't have the players that are good enough, smart enough, and can play those coverages good enough to to get those turnovers. And you know, again, I think I think Darian Thompson has done a lot of good things in the in the and run defense um, from that safety spot. But I think as a cover guy, he he is a liability out there right now. Um, you know, I think that he's a guy that teams are going to continue to kind of pick on until they he's proven that he's able to, you know, be better. And he's not been good in coverage. He's made some plays against the run. I think you could say the same for Xavier Woods. Um, but they're just their secondary is not playing well. Their pass rush is not playing well and their linebackers are not playing well. And when you're doing that while also not getting turnovers, you're getting scored 38 and 39 points on a game and you're making it extremely tough for your offense. Um, and that's where I wanted to kind of look at next is it was another game, you know, Alden Smith had three sacks. Um, they were able to get some pressure from Alden Smith. Uh, Antoine Woods, I think had a sack as well. Uh, but from a consistency standpoint, you're not getting much from the pass rush from Demarcus Lawrence, from Everson Griffin, from, uh, Tristan Hill, you know, from Don Terry Poe, I mean, you're just not getting anything consistent from those guys from a pass rush standpoint. And when your secondary is not playing well, it's struggling in coverage. It's struggling to communicate, pass things off. The pass rush not getting home is just making those things, you know, those plays develop for the offense, you know, easier and quicker for them to see. And that's how you give up, you know, a lot of points per game. Um, do you see anything from this defensive line that makes you think that they'll continue to, you know, maybe develop their pass rush ability or do you think that we're stuck with what we got oh boy that's a good question um (laughs) no i think it all has to work in tandem and i don't think that there's going to be good enough coverage for them to be able to really get home very often um and honestly like as much as i love tank and and tank flashed a couple times early in this game defensively He's not able to be on the field because of his knee right now, and he doesn't look all that great when he is on the field pass rushing. Yeah. He's outstanding against the run. He's a he's an absolute menace, and he's been able to win the edge uh, every once in a while, but 
He's a pure technician in every single sense of the word. He is not your bendy, athletic pass rusher. And so things have to go perfectly for him to win. Um, and he does win quite a bit. He just isn't able to get home because this this secondary is just not good. They're just not being, they're just not keeping him. And that's why they're not getting home. That's why um, coverage is more important than your pass Absolutely rush. is. <laughs> because, and, I mean, because the offense by go, so many teams. Huh, we can just keep throwing slants because our receivers are getting four yards of separation because these guys are, you know, bailing because they don't know what to do. And, you know, that's the, that's the thing that we've been trying to tell people all along is if you can cover, but can't rush the passer, you're still going to make it hard on quarterbacks. If you can't cover, but you can rush the passer, they're just going to get the ball out quick and take away that part of your defense, which is what the Rams did in week one and what we're seeing, you know, teams do. And, you know, the, the thing is, is like, yeah, Alden Smith did have, you know, three sacks. He he is looking like this team's best pass rusher. Also think it's important to note that Russell Wilson is probably one of the worst quarterbacks in the NFL when it comes to holding the ball a little too long and taking those sacks. So, you know, you're going to play. Uh, we, we said it last week. You know, if you weren't able to get consistent pressure on Russell Wilson, then I don't know when it's going to come. We said it against the Falcons. I'm going to say it again this week against the Browns. If you can't get pressure on Baker Mayfield, we don't know when it's going to come because Cleveland's offensive line isn't great. Baker Mayfield doesn't have great pocket presence. He has a tendency to hold the ball, stay in the pocket, and take sacks. So, again, I think from, you know, I'll ask you, but from my perspective, I'm not disappointed in the stack, the sacks. I'm disappointed in the consistent pressure that I thought I was going to see from this defensive front that we haven't seen at all. Yeah, I mean, it's just they get melted by play action because they have to play the run and the pass in those situations. So they're not getting a pass rush there and they don't play aggressively against play action, which is something that we saw from Seattle uh, sending guys, you know, if they're going to run, you know, a wide zone boot action, they're going to send that last man online, whether it be a corner or, you know, an outside linebacker to that weak side. They're going to send that guy to take advantage and take account of Dak Prescott on that naked boot and not give him time to get out to the edge and throw the football. And right. the, the Dallas Cowboys just uh, aren't being aggressive enough uh, when it comes to, uh, you know, trying to attack those weaknesses or not those weaknesses, but um, just being a little bit more aggressive when it comes to attacking the quarterback and blitzing. Um, I would have to look up the numbers, but it doesn't feel like they're sending Jalen all that often. Now, he almost got home this past week um, on one, and it was a really nice look. I just want to see that more, I feel. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I agree. I mean, when your front four is not, you know, when your front four is not able to get pressure and your secondary is not able to cover, you might as well just blitz and hope that, <laughs> I mean, you're taking a risk to begin with if you just run. I mean, that's, I can't tell you how many times on Sunday they just rushed four and then, you know, they didn't get any pressure and then Russell just sat back there and eventually found a man or, uh, a, you know, it was a communication mistake in the back end and the guy was running wide open. Like at that point, you know, your, your, your defense is pretty much taking a risk at this point by just taking the field. So you might as well just be aggressive in the way you, you play. Um, and, uh, you know, I think they released the uh, pass rush win rate. ESPN's model came out today and. I think Everson Griffin hasn't won a single pass rush rep within two and a half seconds, you know, and that's a player that me and you both were really excited about, thought he could come in and, and be a difference maker on this defense. And he just, he hasn't been good versus the run and he hasn't been good as a pass rusher so far. Um, and, you know, when, when you, I didn't think I was going to be saying this after three weeks, 
Um, but I can't wait for Randy Gregory to get back because I think he adds a little bit, you know, like Griffin and Lawrence are technicians. They win with their hands. They win with their moves. Gregory just wins with his athleticism. I think that that's something you could use um, in these obvious passing downs within the, the next few weeks. No, I, I totally agree. I, I can't wait to see Randy back on the field if, you know, if that happens. I mean, I, I hope it does, but you just, you never know, man. Yeah, just yeah. never know. I mean, he, he is back with the team. He is yep. getting back into practice, which is, which is good. You know, he's got three more weeks um, before he can get onto the field, obviously. But, you know, he's a guy that, you know, he might not win with his technique, his pass rush plan, but he's going to win with his athleticism and speed and explosiveness. And that's what this defense is, is lacking so far. Um, staying on the defense side of the ball, because it's a position that we talked about so much, um, what have you seen from these defensive tackles? That's that's something that I'm just – I'm not – I think Tristan Hill is playing better football than he was last year, but I think it's a stretch to call him you know, a, a good starter at the position. Um, and same for Poe. I'm just not seeing a whole lot from Poe. Um, obviously, Gallimore – I thought Antoine Woods had a pretty solid game. Uh, on Sunday, but I think he was probably your best interior guy. But what are you seeing from these defensive tackles, um, and what do you think they can do to kind of improve from where they've been at for the first three weeks? Nothing. <laughs> no, seriously, they're just bad. They they just they have a they have a loft issue, and I'm not going to say what loft is. It just means that they're not good. Uh, golfers, golfers, uh, serious golfers should know what that is. Um, yeah, they're just not talented. I mean, it's just at the end of the day, Poe's not good. Um, Poe was better last year. Poe was better in the past. He's, he's been really bad. Um, Tristan Hill plays really hard, um, gets him in trouble. Um, I don't think he's a dirty player, but we don't really need to talk about all that. It's just, that was an ugly play. Um, and it has no, no place in the game. Um, Tyrone's getting beat up. Yeah. Uh, he's playing his ass off. He just doesn't have it. He's just not big enough to play that position. Uh, and that's about all there is to it. Woods was okay. Like, Woods is who he is. He's a, just a guy. Like, yeah. he's a somewhat explosive one-technique type who can kind of shoot gaps um, as that bigger uh, under-tackle or, or slim one-tech, but he's not a, a two-gapping guy. No, then, no, no. Not at all. And, and I mean, again, I think if, if there's a positive you want to take away from this defense after three weeks, they have been pretty good at, at slowing down the running game. Um, you know, they they obviously didn't give up a ton against the Falcons last week and for the most part kept Chris Carson in check against, you know, last week against the Seahawks. Um, you know, I think week one, they gave up a couple touchdowns, a couple scores, but it wasn't like the guys were just running wild. So they pl- are playing the run pretty, pretty well. Um, but it's just, I think that kind of falls into where me, you and I are about the running game. Like it doesn't matter how good you are at running or how good you're not at running. If, if teams can throw the ball and they can throw the ball on you, they're going to put up a bunch of points and more than likely win football games. So that run defense and run offense really doesn't matter, but so much because it doesn't equate to points and it doesn't equate to wins. Uh, no, I agree. There's I have what? One thing I do want to, before we get out of here, but one thing I I did, you know, again, going back to just a scheme thing and a, I guess, a usage thing that I saw. So there was a few third downs against the Seahawks where Poe, Woods, Crawford, and Alden Smith were your four down defense alignment. Uh Uh-huh. 
what are we doing? No idea. <laughs> on third and seven, what are we doing with three defensive tackles? And again, Alden Smith's probably your best pass rusher so far. But what are we doing? I don't know. I've noticed that too. Like that makes no sense whatsoever to have three run defenders and a outside linebacker who, again, like he's probably the best pass rusher you got right now. But as far as a consistent threat off the edge, he hasn't been great this year by any means. So it's like, I don't understand. I mean, I know Demarcus Lawrence is dinged up, but I, I still want him on the field over Tyron Crawford in a pass rush situation. I know Everson Griffin hasn't played well, but I mean, again, in those third and long situations, I just don't understand why we're not seeing these four down lineups with Lawrence Griffin, you know, Alden Smith and whoever else you want to put out on the field. But it just, it's kind of frustrating to see when the defense is unable to get stops, they're unable to, which again, they, they did, you know, when you look at it, Seattle punted seven times, I think it was on Sunday. So they did do a decent job of getting stops at, at certain points in that game, but I just don't get the point of having, you know, Demarcus Lawrence, Everson Griffin, and, you know, Tristan Hill on the sidelines for Dontari Poe and Tyron Crawford and whoever else can't rush the passer on obvious passing down. So that was a little bit concerning to me. And I just think those are things you can't, when you don't have the personnel, you know, this great personnel to put out on the field, you can't hurt yourself even more by putting worse players out on the field and those obvious passing downs. No disagreement here. <laughs> you got anything else um, that you want to talk about before we get out of here? Uh, yeah, I do just real quickly. I kind of watching the game live. I was just kind of okay with Dak's performance. I even said it on Twitter afterwards. I said that this wasn't his most inspiring performance. I didn't think he was all that great. But when I went back and I'm watching this all 22 and I'm posting literally every single one of his dropbacks, he was really good, like really, really good. And I don't know. I don't know if it's like in the, the during the course of the game when you're watching and your emotions are up, the interception, the fumble. And those two were bad plays. The last play, that's that's totally different. But the, yeah. the other two, um, those were bad plays, and they were right back-to-back. Back. And I think when that happens, that kind of soured the way that I felt about Dak the rest of the time. And when you're not sitting down and watching the All-22, you don't see what's going into all the decisions, what where he's going through and his reads and what the, the route concepts look like and why – like why he threw that ball in third and 10 to Amari Cooper at two yards down the field. Well, it's because CeeDee Lamb and Dalton Schultz were eating, you know, having a picnic. <laughs> yeah, they're having a picnic out there together. Um, and so those are the things that when you get more context and you actually see, and that's why I wanted to put every single one of his plays on Twitter was because I want people to go through and see like, how many of these plays do you look at and say, that's a negative on Dak Prescott. Because right. in about 60 dropbacks, there might have been five. Yep. He, and I just he, didn't see that when I was watching the game live. Yeah. And like you said, I think it's just the – I did it with – I did it with Kellen Moore after the game. You know, the last drive goes down. You see all the passes to the running back and dump-offs. And it, after the game, I tweet that Kellen Moore's an issue. Now when I go back and watch the game – I still think there's things I want to see him do better, but calling him an issue was a reach and a stretch. And it's something that, you know, when you go back through, watch the game, you see the 
route concepts. You see the, you know, the reasons that some of those guys are running those shallow crossers. They're running, uh, you know, underneath routes, stop routes. You know, you, it makes a little bit more sense. Um, I mean, obviously, the the great thing about sports is it gives fans emotion, and most of the time, those emotions can be wrong when you are dealing with quick emotions after a game. But I mean, it's it's you know that's why it's important for people to look at the things that that, that you're you know they're all 22 breakdowns where you can like you said sit down and see that Dalton Schultz and you know while live people are freaking out because he threw a two yard pass on a third and ten but they don't see you know Michael or uh, CD Lamb and Dalton Schultz smacking into each other and there's nowhere else to go with football so it's take a sack throw the ball away or throw the ball to a guy that's open and maybe he can break a tackle and make a play so it is it makes you a better fan it makes you a better evaluator whatever you want to say but it, it, it's it's uh you know it's good to hear that you know that that obviously because I, I thought the same way I, I think I put out a very similar tweet after the game you know I was like it was a little bit different but I was like hey if you're getting if your your mediocre performance from Prescott is going toe-to-toe with Russell Wilson then you you're you're pretty happy with that uh, he might have he might have played better than Russ oh overall. I think he did um, I, I think both of their ball placements were a little off throughout the game. Oh, see, uh, I disagree. I actually thought that Dak was really good this week with his accuracy. I felt like there was a couple, but for the most he part, was, because he was, he was accurate for sure. There was just a few times where like the Cedric Wilson touchdown on the, sure. Post, that was a little bit was behind, a little bit behind him. Yeah. You know, stuff like that, where he's been so pinpoint, I think those first two weeks, you know, minus a few plays, but yeah, I mean, was, Will Russ was straight off. up missing throat. <laughs> yeah. That that, that Tyler Lockett throw on third down with Jalen Smith in man coverage, that would have been a touchdown if he just would have thrown the ball anywhere near him and he threw it at his ankles. And I was like, yep. goodness, we're we're so lucky that Russell isn't playing like he has the first two weeks because we'd be losing 50 to nothing right now. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's all we got for today. Um, as Dalton just said, Dak Prescott, still not an issue for the Dallas Cowboys. I don't know how many times we can say that without feeling like we're – we're beating a dead horse, but we think he's one of the main reasons this team is as successful as they've been on offense. We just got to turn it around on defense. We got to get something from our special teams and put out a tweet today that I feel like is pretty accurate. Um, if the Cowboys could just get league average play from their defense and special teams, I feel like they're probably three and zero right now, and they're probably going to win, you know, four of their next five more than likely. If you tell me that they're going to be league average and the offense is going to play like they're playing, but we obviously can't do that. We can't tell you that the offense is going to keep up this hot streak. We can't tell you that the defense is not going to continue to be one of the worst in the league. And we can't tell you that we're not going to be starting drives at the negative one yard line because our special teams is still bad. But we're going to cross our fingers and hope that what Steven told us the other day is true. And that the, 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 the proof is in the pudding and the, the, the boys are in the shed and they're going to pull them out and start playing better. They're just still knocking off some rust and getting things back to normal. And that's what I think we have to understand real quickly before we leave is that this is a new staff. There's a lot of different pieces here. They, they had no preseason. It, it was always going to take some time. And with these injuries, um, it's just, it's harder. Um, and so they've had good injury luck the past couple of seasons for the most part. It doesn't seem to be carrying into this year. Uh, hopefully they're able to get guys back healthy. They have a really nice stretch of games coming up. that They need to get some wins. Um, and I think that they can. So uh, we'll just we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, and I, can't, I hate to keep 
keep everyone after I've told you we're going to get out of here. But I think another thing you can look at if you're trying to be op- optimistic as a Cowboys fan is Cowboys did have three tough offensive opponents the first three weeks. If you're looking for hope for this defense, I mean, again, Atlanta, not a great football team, but they have a ton of weapons on offense. The Rams, not, you know, the quarterback play hasn't been great for them, but the offensive play caller. and Well, it actually, it, it actually has been. Yeah, he's been playing a lot. Well, Which, I'm talking about going I, into week yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, You're yeah, kind yeah, of I, expecting him to be, you know, what he was at the end of 2019. But, yeah. um, I mean, the Rams, Atlanta, and Seahawks are three tough offensive opponents your first three weeks. So, if you want hope for the defense, just hope that, they went up against some really good offenses to start the season while they're still figuring some things out, and the, it'll kind of even itself out as the season progresses. But we're going to talk about the season progressing as the season progresses. We'll be back on the Talk of the Star podcast next week to break down the Cowboys-Browns week four matchup and see if the boys can get back on track. We'll be back next week. We are Talking the Star.